Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And my guest for the whole hour today is Paula A. Marshall. She's the CEO of Bama Companies, which is an international innovator of bakery products. She's the author of five books, including Sweetest Pie, Tough as Nails, Finding the Soul of Big Business, and The Executive Entrepreneur. The Bama Pie Company story began in 1927 in the kitchen of Cornelia, Alabama, Bama Marshall, Paula's grandmother. And today, we're going to talk about the book that she co-authored with Jim Stowell called The Executive Entrepreneur. Starting a company and growing a company are two very different things. Do you have what it takes to do both? Welcome, Paula. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's a happy one. So, tell us how you originated this book with Jim, The Executive Entrepreneur. How did that come about? Well, um, actually, I had asked uh, Jim uh, Stovall uh, if he would mentor me because I had written a book and I was trying to learn how to go out and become a great public speaker like he was because he was um, a consultant who had become blind when he was 21 and he'd been an Olympic weightlifter and just a really powerful persona and he had made a big career out of uh, speaking on a book that he wrote um, um, that, that, you know, um, I, I just felt like it was something I wanted to pursue. I wanted to take some time off from Bama and do this. And so I, um, I actually called him up one day and then said, you know, Jim, is Paul Marshall, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, you were one of the first. Uh, donors to my radio station, or, I mean, my television station for the blind. And it was called Blind Network, the Blind, the blind Network. And so I did never, not even remember, remember that. So, you know, you never know when you're giving someone who, how it will return or how it will come back. And so he said, of course, I would, I would come and meet with you and talk to you and, and help you all I can. So... I brought him a copy of my book, and then he tried to help me introduce me to some other people that he worked with and on his speeches and book tours and things. And in the process of doing all this and working together on all these things, we started talking about how to become a successful entrepreneur. And when we shared our stories, one of our, one of our differences was that Jim really started his company with an idea and a bunch of families giving him money and his own personal credit cards and maxing out all of his personal credit cards. So anyone who's a startup entrepreneur can relate to that. Mine was a different story from the standpoint that my company was family. I'm the third generation. But from an entrepreneurial perspective, I was allowed by my family to do different things in the company that um, had never been done before. So I felt like I was kind of an entrepreneur as well. So he and I started putting our heads together on what are the different skill sets, what are the different things that that you need when you're starting up a business, and what are the things that you need when, you, when you're continuing a successful business to make it even more successful and not let it, you know, fall fall to the ground. So um, you, we compared... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, Paula, one of the major differences is that the entrepreneur 
um, takes more risks or has to take more risks uh, and, and think outside the box more, or do you think that that's not necessarily true? Well, we kind of, in, the, in the course of our study and our research and our talking together and different skill sets, um, we decided that there's there's risk on both sides of being an entrepreneur. There's risk of taking a, an already successful business and running it into the ground. So there's risk in being able to stay successful and not ruin what you were given. But on the other hand, there's risk in the in the entrepreneur who goes out and does things by the bootstraps and has, you know, families donating money to them and using personal credit cards and things like that. Um, the same the same uh, drive and determination is present in both in both skill sets. So the what we determined was that there's really not a lot of difference in the need for um, you know risk taking both both different kinds of executives need to be risk-taking, risk-takers. One of the things we we determined through our um, self-assessment, so we have a self-assessment built into the book that is at the beginning that you can take the test and then you can read the chapters that Jim wrote and then you can read the chapters that I wrote and you can kind of put yourself into a category. And mine was more executive manager and his was more, you know, entrepreneurial type type conversations, and what was interesting is at the end of the book, you found that if you're an entrepreneur, you need both managerial and um, being able to manage people and, and to accomplish a task where an entrepreneur might not have as many people around them, but they're just trying to sell an idea, you still need the determination and the drive and the passion to be able to accomplish mm-hmm. it. Mm, yeah, but you said something interesting because you said that um, even though you may have to borrow on credit cards if you're an entrepreneur, when you're handed a business, you run the risk of running it into the ground. You're, you're both really taking a risk. Yes, and that's what we, we realized when we were looking at each other and talking that Jim had as much risk in his business because he might run out of money and he would have cash shortages and he would need to make payroll and he would have to go borrow some more money from his family or, you know, so he ran the risk of being humiliated in front of his family. My risk was one of the family looked at me as being given a gift and don't destroy it, you know, don't tear it up. So we were both dealing with the same fear, and that was that we were going to be humiliated in front of our families. But the, well, at the end of the day, we would we had to have the same skill set to be able to make successful business, make the businesses successful. So there wasn't as much difference between the skill sets as we now, thought when we went into it. Yeah, there's um, in one of your chapters here. Uh, let's see. It's called Steering the Ship. What I love is that you take an example and you use the entrepreneurial uh, point of view and then the executive point of view. So, for example, on, on an executive takeaway, you say once Paula accepted that she needed help, she didn't randomly make any calls or roam the street. She made a mental checklist of the people she could and could not realistically turn to. She assessed the options available before making a decision taking the time to look at the viable options and approaches 
will save you and your company time and money. That's more the executive, where the entrepreneurial would be that you not only learn the business, but you developed a real passion for it. And you became attached to it on an intimate level. And business owners have to be willing to let go of some of the tasks they're accustomed to doing and trust that systems and procedures will be put in place and allow others to take over. So it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you have to give up some control in terms of being the entrepreneur, but then in terms of being the executive, you're very planned and organized. Yeah, I would say that the planning and the organization skills, especially the bigger the organization, I would say that's why a lot of entrepreneurs get to a certain size and they turn the company over or they flip the companies to other people because they don't enjoy that part of the business as much as they do creating and driving and coming up with new ideas and kind of living on the edge of the cliff all the time. The, the, the person who's more in the executive management role needs to be able to do planning, forecasting, analysis, looking at the future, figuring out how you put together a, you know, contingency plans as well as, you know, uh, you know, these are, are through-the-roof plans, if you will, so being able to vision, but at the same time, think about contingencies. And so the skill sets are different, but the emotions inside that, that you know, allow us to be successful and not successful are very similar. Right. Do you feel that you are entrepreneurial in some cases now as a CEO of your company? Give us an example of where you feel you're more entrepreneurial. Well, um, we do things, uh, you know, different from industry most every day. So, you know, just our basic philosophies, the tenets with which we run the company, our beliefs, our values, all those things are different because people are at the center of what we do. And so we start with people, we, we, we build systems around them to help them be successful. And then, um, you know, a lot of what I'm doing on those fronts is considered very innovative. For example, a free clinic. For example, free medications in, in some uh, in some respects. For example, um, you know the healthcare that we have, the um, you know the, the emotional care, the psychologists, the legal care that we provide, the lawyers that we provide to help people not have to spend the whole day looking for a lawyer and missing work and, you know, and driving around from place to place and trying to find somebody that will help them. We provide, you know, therapists on site. We have, you know, um, you know, lawyers on site. So we have a lot of unique services available to our team members that a lot of big, big, big companies don't have. Yeah, which is, which is really great. And then on the executive side, it seems to me that what you do there is the planning and the organizing and kind of the systems and structures. Yes, it's much more important for me to be able to have uh, big training plans for people to understand about the work and how to do the work. And, and so we provide a lot of training. Typically what you see in smaller companies is they're not as bureaucratic, they're not as... Um, you know, every, it's smaller, so everyone communicates with everyone every day. Once the company starts getting bigger, you need bigger communication bigger, systems. You need more, bigger, third, more you know, uh, communication methods because the people that work in Bama today don't see me as often as they did 20 years ago. Right, right. So, yeah, so it's... Um, 
it's interesting to talk about how you would think that they're very different, but you really, it sounds to me like to be a very effective entrepreneur and executive, you have to have both skills. Um, I missed part of that question. I'm sorry, Patricia. Okay. I'm, now I think we're, hold on. I'm, I'm moving, so I think we're going to be better here. Um, it sounds to me like you really need to have both sets of skills to be a very effective executive. Yeah, I think that's where I was trying to um, clarify the aha moment, if you will, that Jim and I had, is that when we went into writing this book, we really thought that we were going to come out with wildly different skill sets and wildly different, um, you know, abilities. And what we found was that even though my company was bigger and had to have more structure, there were a lot of the same behaviors and skills that we were both trying to place into very different sizes of organizations. So it may look on the outside that Jim's job is a lot easier because he doesn't have 2,000 people to deal with, but by the same token, he's got to make sure his 25 or 30 people understand what the vision and values and things that he's trying to put about every day. And sometimes in smaller companies, the managers and the entrepreneurs don't take the time to talk to their folks and spend the time with that, those philosophies. And then as you grow, things start getting a little bit more diffused at the end. So eventually, Jim had to put in more training and had to talk more about his values than what he was doing at the time. Yeah, interesting. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. I'll learn more to follow Marshall. Uh, the executive entrepreneur that she wrote with Jim Stovall called The Executive Entrepreneur, and the question is, starting a company and growing a company are two very different things. Do you have what it takes to do both? You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. 
Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back, and we are back with Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of Bama Companies. And they make all of the apple pies and fast food desserts for Walmart and many of the other fast food chains in our country. And they're a company that's 82 years old. It's, um, I think, three or three generations now, and Paula took the helm. And it's just a, a very successful company that really treats its, its employees like family. And they don't call them employees. They're team members at Bama. And Paula's other book called Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business, really speaks to that to that family atmosphere. Today we're talking about the book that Paula wrote, co-authored with Jim Stovall, who's an entrepreneur, and it's called The Executive Entrepreneur. Starting a company and growing a company are two very different things. Do you have what it takes to do both? Okay, welcome back, Paula. So, um, you know, let's take a look at this in terms of being an entrepreneur and having your own company, because I think I'm an entrepreneur and I'm more of a solo entrepreneur, but I find I have to pay very, very close attention to the business end of it. As much as I love being creative, you know, particularly when you're a small business, you have to look at every expenditure and where you're using your time. So in that sense, I think it is more like an executive. The entrepreneurial part for me is creating all the new things, you know, the new radio programs, the new TV things. But I think on the day-to-day basis, I've got to pay very close attention to the mechanics, the operations of my business, even though it's small. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, Jim used a phrase in the book, or maybe he didn't, wasn't on, the, it wasn't in the book, but it's called, you know, you have to have a lot of hats when you're, when you're the, the sole proprietor, you're the, yep. you're using your friends and family's money to, you know, invest in yourself, you're, you're pushing your idea forward up the hill every day, and then if you have manufacturing or if you're having manufacturing done for you, you've got to oversee that, there's the quality element, there's the government legal, there's all kinds of things, so you have to wear a lot of different hats besides just selling and making sure mm-hmm. the product gets there on time, it's, it, there's a million things that the entrepreneur, the start, I call it startup entrepreneur, the startup entrepreneur may have to get involved in. Where myself, I have teams of people that um, we talk about the vision of the company and, and we do a lot of different projects. So my job is more one of, you know, 
putting together a collective vision that people can buy into and then getting others to help mm-hmm. you do it. But when yeah. you're a startup, you don't have the funds for that many people, and maybe you don't even want that many people working for you. Yeah. It depends yeah. on what you, how big you want to get and what you want to do with your, with your business. Yeah. Yeah. What I find, though, so interesting, there is a parallel here between what you're doing and I'm doing in this respect, is that on some level, you're dealing with think tank people, you know, entrepreneurs like yourself, CEOs. But then on the other hand, you're dealing with people who are in the plant who are working. And so it's, it's two different levels of thinking. It's you know, the working person, and then it's more your executive person. And I'll tell you, I've been doing projects with both. I've been doing a lot of entrepreneurial projects where I'm training CEOs and then I'm working, you know, with people who are caregivers, for example, and I'm hiring them. And so I'm seeing a different, a different level. And I'm finding that it's very refreshing sometimes to work more on sort of the everyday person's level because I find I don't have to um, analyze as much. I don't have to... Um, I don't know what the word is, but sort of figure things out and posture mm-hmm. and and it's just easier. It's very straightforward. So I, yeah, I want you to comment on that because you work gets, with both in your company. Yeah, the political aspects get definitely get more involved the bigger you get. Yep. So the more people you hire, the more people you get removed from because you have too many people. Now you have to put managers in between you and the other people. And then, you know, different people have different mentalities and philosophies and egos and everything else that come into the right. business that may or may not exactly fit how you did it. So as you go through building the company, you start seeing all these variables that you didn't actually ever plan for. So that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs sell out and don't really keep their businesses for three generations or four generations like uh, we plan on doing. Um, it's, it's easier to just, you know, sell it to someone and then start another one, you know, because that's what they like to do. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and I also also find often when I'm dealing with, you know, people who are on the plant floor, if you will, I mean, that's sort of the analogy. I find it's more straightforward, as you said. There aren't, you don't have all those layers. So it's it's mm-hmm. more it's just very straightforward and refreshing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because so when you're in in terms are. of um, being a manager, I mean you see it from a, from a visionary standpoint. But let's say you have a top manager in your office, and they've got some people working for them, you know, team members, and they've and, and they're let's say more left brain. They're more of you know the style that's more operational, if you will, but now they have other people that are more visionary, and they're having trouble because they don't have the same vision. So how do you help those people understand the different kinds of thinking that they're going to have with some of their team members without turning them off and turning away those people that may not think like them? Yeah, we, we offer a lot of training classes for that, for those types of things, Patricia, because we have a, we have a standard that we want to hold for our supervisors so and our managers and our VPs and everybody around here. So we we have a lot of training from Stephen Covey to Dr. Deming to um, yeah. Search Inside Yourself to writing vision statements and mission statements for yourself and different things. So it's a real tough challenge because 
you can't really change somebody who they really are, but you can help mm-hmm. them move more to a more centric position and not be so isolated if they're highly technical and they can't talk to people, right. then most likely we can't have them as a manager or a supervisor at Bama. If you have someone who's highly okay. gregarious and can talk to people but doesn't have any technical, eventually that person's going to get us in trouble too. So we look for the right. people that have a balance of both skill sets. Right, which is, which is really important. And I'm sure, you know, because I know I've done some training in this area, people have to change their way of thinking, particularly if mm-hmm. they're used to being, um, you know, very definite. The entrepreneur often mm-hmm. is more open-ended. You know, they can handle the sudden changes. But many times yeah. an executive who is more left-brained can't. They want the plan. They want it to go as planned. And when it doesn't, they get rattled. And I, mm-hmm. you know in your business, and certainly in mine, that there were going to be times when things just happened. Right. Right. And that's a, that's a, a skill set that can be learned. Uh, but it's, it's often why more people gravitate into quote-unquote management than, in, than to entrepreneurialism. So many people are just not comfortable with that with the high level of risk, with being in charge of your own schedule, with deciding how much money you're going to put into your idea, with how much passion do you have for it. I mean, there's a lot of people that would just rather work for a company and be part of managing uh, projects and things and people versus creating them. And that's just the way it is. That's just two separate kinds of people that... I don't think you're going to change either one of them into the other. Mm. And so you need to just help people realize what they're good at and what they want to do. Well, in your company, you have a need for both because you always have to think of new products, right, that you're developing that are staying on the edge of health and wellness and, and foods and preservatives and organic and all of that. But then you need those people that are there just making sure that you're, you're producing what you've already put, set out to do. Right, right. So it's, it, it is, it's a, you know, it's a balance of all personality types, uh, brain types, uh, you know, people who are outgoing and gregarious versus, you know, internalized. Um, you know, what we focus on a lot at Vama is the diversity of the team. You know, we're looking for diverse teams, diverse thinking, and, and we are looking for risk takers because we want our folks to not be afraid to take a risk. And so there's a lot of training that goes around that. What does that really mean? A lot of companies say that, but then if someone makes a mistake, they fire them. So it's like, oh, it's just empty words on the wall that don't really mean anything. And that's not good either. Okay. So, Paul, you know, looking at this um, in today's business world, certainly so much has changed. And where you are making pies and fast food desserts, we've gotten into the whole world of automation. A lot of people are afraid of automation and robots and robotics. And you've spoken about this before on the show, but talk about this from, you know, the perspective of why it's helpful and yet how can this help those people that have, you know, been doing that job for 20 or 25 years and now they're afraid that they will be obsolete. So how do we bring in the robots but keep, but also keep the people. That's the question. Yeah, I think we, what we try to do is provide um, enough educational opportunities so that people become um, less fearful about school, about educating themselves, about 
passing and failing because most of us didn't have great experiences in school. We might have been ashamed or humiliated over a test or a grade or something like that. And and we, we developed a fear of it. And so what I find is people who just want to work on the line for 20 years, that's fine if they want to do that. But what I try to tell them is, look, the main thing you guys need to think about is what happens when Bela puts a robot in. If you want to have a, a job doing a robotic operator, you really need to go to school. You need to know math. You need to know reading. You need to know uh, something about computers. And, and you've got to get people over these fears that they have of, of learning something new. And there are people who, after, you know, we've talked and they've been here for many years, they retire and they never did anything but work on a pie line and pick up apple pies. Mm-hmm. But today, we don't have nearly as many packers as we did 30 years ago because we have a lot of robotics going on in the company. And it's hard for them to, um, you know, see that unless they actually had a chance to participate in it. And now they know the robots are there and the robots are coming. Well, Paula, it's been great to talk with you. I know you have to go. But, you know, just to give us a couple of closing thoughts for our audience today about being an executive and being an entrepreneur, sort of staying with the times, but also, you know, also being very aware of the business side of things. Well, one of the things I, I realized when I was talking to Jim uh, when we were writing the book is that, you know, passion for what you do is extremely important. And I just encourage everyone, it really doesn't matter what you do. If you do a, a starting level, entry level job, if you do a high powered CEO of a Fortune 100 company, just love what you do, have passion for what you do, and, and everything will work out just fine. Thank you. And people can find out more about Bama by going to Bama.com, right? Yes, www.bama.com. Uh-huh. And also, if they, want to, if they want to find out more about Paula A. Marshall, they can go to Facebook. Paula A. Marshall, correct? Yes. I have a, I have a or Facebook account that's public that's under Paula A. Marshall. Okay. And, and then they can learn about your books, all of your books on that page. Yes, and my two two of my books are on Amazon right now, so you can also go to Amazon and type type in my name, and you can get my books online. All right, thank you so much, Paula. It was great to talk with you. Can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Thank talk you. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. Um, just want to share a couple of more things. I think we have a few minutes left, and so I want to tell you a little bit more about this book, The Executive Entrepreneur, which is written by Jim Stovall and Paula A. Marshall, and they're both really amazing. I mean, Jim Stovall began his career in a broom closet lined with gold cushions. He went on to become the successful CEO of an Emmy award-winning company, Narrative Television Network. Paula began working on the floor of her father's plant, where she had nowhere else to go to pay the bills and support her newborn daughter. She rose to the top of the organization, and though no one thought she'd be the successor, she took on the CEO role in 1985 and grew her family's company, the Bama Companies, to over $200 million organization. So, you know, how, what is, what's their success? I mean, how do you attribute these two different kinds of successes? Well, Paula is an executive, and Jim's an entrepreneur. And what Jim says is if you're not growing, you're dying. And the key to growth is if you're an executive, it's important to find the entrepreneur within yourself 
and infuse your organization with new ideas and innovation. If you're an entrepreneur, it's critical to tap into your managerial side and also learn to scale your company strategically to build a team to sustain your creativity. Paul and Jim provide the perfect complement to the executive entrepreneur dichotomy, and the stories told in tandem make an amazing and revolutionary learning tool for any business person. So if you get this book, you can take the quiz at the front of the book to find out where you lie on the executive entrepreneur spectrum. And it's been a pleasure to be with you. Um, this show is pre-recorded. And it's wonderful to be with you. And again, write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing on my website, PatriciaRaskin.com, I have a lot of videos which really explain all of the different facets of my work. And you can listen to this program each week on Mondays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Mondays. And it's also rebroadcast on, on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And that's on the Health and Wellness Channel. But on Mondays, it's on the, um, it's on the Variety Channel. So, again, you can also like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. I'm going to close this the way I close all of my radio programs, folks. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Get the support you need. And know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back.